The first time I visited Ex Novo, a brewery in Portland, Oregon, I was struck by its design. It felt designed. It wasn't a cold space with some chairs and stuff thrown together. There was some thought put into it. From where we sat, we could see the brew tanks, bar action. There was interesting lighting. The space flowed so well. It was obviously designed. The next day, I hopped online and did a search to see if it was the IPA talking or if there was a design firm behind it. Sure enough, that's where I found the website for some design studio. I emailed them and started a conversation with Principal Matthew Lucemore. His firm is not only behind the design of Ex Novo, but also Cascade Brewery and Commons Brewery, where he's also part owner. Over beers, naturally, we talked brewery design, how and why he got into designing breweries, how beer builds communities, and Spokane, Washington's downtown. I like to think this episode is a replica of that conversation, maybe a bit more sober, but hopefully still interesting. Enjoy the show. I grew up in Spokane. I went to Washington State University down in Pullman, Washington, which was uh, about 72 miles south of Spokane and, and basically just consisted of uh, a big college town. So uh, most of the most of the residents were students. Um, I did study down there for a few years before I went to Denmark, and then I studied on the Denmark International Studies Program and then spent my last year studying urban planning in Spokane. Um, and then once uh, I finished that, um, I ended up getting a job um, at a place called the Berkebeiner Brewing Company, which was essentially the place that I hung out all the time anyways. Um, and I kept my portfolio kind of behind the bar in the, in the pub and eventually kept telling people that uh, this wasn't my real job and I was hoping to, to make the move down to Portland. And I happened to be back there working on a Friday night and uh, had, had made mention that my goal was to, to head down to Portland and um, I was, I was wanting to pursue a, a career in a professional career in architecture. And, um, a couple of the guys that were sitting at the bar said, Hey, you know, we, um, we worked for a, a firm down in Portland and we're up here on a convention and we'd like to come back and talk to you later. And later was about midnight that night. And I interviewed for a job on Friday and, uh, that was with a company called JGA Associates and now they're DLR group, but Interviewed on a Friday and packed my stuff the following Saturday and um, headed down to Portland Sunday and started work on Monday. So <laughs> it's a pretty quick transition from Spokane um, after I graduated and um, down, down to Portland. Uh, worked down here for uh, since about 1996. Worked for some larger companies and in 2002 decided that it was best that I start working on my own. And 2006 formed uh, the company Sum Design Studio with my business partner, Eric Hoffman. From there, Lucemore's firm has designed everything from residential to commercial to mixed-use projects, and of course, breweries. Lucemore explains how they got started on that path and the niche he's filling. Um, I'll, I'll kind of start with, with Cascade. I mean, that was, that was kind of our first one, and... Um, kind of throughout the, the learning curve. Although every time we seem to do another brewery, uh, things change along the way, whether it's city codes or just, you know, ideas or brewing techniques. But uh, Art Lawrence uh, got our name from a, a local broker in town. We went and met Art. And I don't know if you've ever met Art before, but um, Art's a great guy, knows uh, a little bit about everything and everybody in this town. <laughs> so 
kind of an, an intimidating client uh, just to start out with in terms of design a brewery, but he bought his space. Uh, he, he actually purchased his building over on, uh, I believe it's 10th in Belmont. And it, at the time was an old fruit packaging company. Um, and, you know, a lot of these adaptive reuses start out the same way. It's we go, we meet the client, we visit the space. And the first question we always kind of have to take a look at is, you know, does the zoning allow for the use that, you know, the, the new client wants to put into this thing? And can we put it in here um, on, on an affordable method um, in terms of just being able to get them the right occupancy without having to spend, you know, a, a ton of money to get the building to uh, up to code in today's standards. So, you know, art, having um his own somewhat of a vision knew that he wanted to have a restaurant space um and essentially just a storage warehouse he he wasn't using that one to actually brew he was he was doing that um off site at his other location up on uh, Beaverton Hillsdale at the Raccoon Lodge so we gave him uh, a restaurant and you know basically created a, a motif for him to um, continue to sell his great product. Um, he and I always had a running joke that, you know, I, I kept trying to design the space or what he liked, he would probably say is over design the space. And, you know, he always said that, um, nice space doesn't make the beer taste any better. And, you know, I, I like to think that good beer does taste better if you're actually drinking it in a great space. So we kind of have a running joke going back and forth. So are certain kinds of buildings more suited for a brewery? The first time Lucemore stepped into what is now Ex Novo, he knew right away. I met Joel Gregory, um, who had just called up and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a building. And can you assist me in helping me find a, a space for the brewery? And Which is great. We love to be involved in that part of the process. I think that, um, you know, our job is to help clients realize spatially what they're dealing with, you know, that the brewing equipment, it is what it is, whether they're going to bring in a, a seven-barrel system or a 10-barrel system or, or whatever. But oftentimes, you know, they're, they're trying to find the most efficient space, and some of those spaces need to be a little bit bigger. So if we can get in on the forefront and, you know, help them determine the best use, it seems like we can, you know, provide the best uh, space in the end, whether it's, you know, from the entry or the rest of the sequence of space, just in terms of how the brewery works. So, Joel had called and, and I made a few trips with him and looked at some buildings and, you know, a lot of them were, were tough. They were, um, you know, it's adaptive reuse. So you, you really have to dig into these things. And unfortunately, a lot of them were going to cost, you know, a substantial amount of money. And he called one day and at the time it was the Elite Lighting Company, which is over on Flint Street, which is where Ex Novo is now. And he called me and said, I, I think I found the space and I went over and walked in and, and uh, I immediately was like, wow, this is, this is gorgeous. Um, you could just basically move in here and start brewing. And it's just, you know, the space itself was long rect rectilinear space. Um, the flow was there. The entry was there. There was, you could already see where the bar was going to go and the tanks and where he could expand to. And, you know, that, that project um, was almost more of a deconstructive uh, project rather than a constructive project. And just in terms of we ended up taking out offices and just really exposing, you know, kind of the, the, the bare bones of that of that space. And um, it's, you know, if you've ever been there, it's it's a it's a great space to be in. I mean, you feel like you're, you're drinking a beer smack dab in the middle of the brewery. 
If you've listened to Built Blocks for the past year, you'll get my obsession with adaptive reuse, older buildings with new lives. And nowhere is that more evident than with breweries and tap rooms. A lot of the brewers that we're, we're working with, I mean, that's, that's part of the, the, the romance of, of brewery design is, is kind of immersing yourself uh, within that space. You know, it's, it's great to see the beer being made while you're, while you're drinking the beer. And I think that um, for a lot of people and myself included, I mean, that's, you, you can't get much better than that in terms of just seeing where everything comes from. Um, you know, and that, that always, that, that doesn't always happen either. I know that, um, you know, there's challenges in just in terms of occupancy and codes and what the city allows and, you know, whether the building's sprinklered or not in terms of, you know, whether you can do those moves. And so each project for us always really starts with a, a pretty intense code evaluation. Um, and, and then, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, red tape that we have to go through before we get to really start start doing the fun stuff more adventures in adaptive reuse the commons brewery what was once a flooring distribution company was now a blank canvas for some design to work on shortly after i had i had caught wind we were in the um in the ford building and caught wind that mike wright with the commons was wanting or talking of expanding and i didn't know mike at the time so uh you know, he had the Commons Brewery, and, and his his theme is just kind of revolving around the common man and, and common woman being able to sit around the table and and have a beer and um, enjoy a sense of community. And so I thought, well, there's really no better way for me to to get to know him unless I just go knock on his door. And so I I walked down there and introduced myself and and said, hey, if you're ever thinking about you know expanding, um, you know, we'd love to help you out. And we we hit it off. We uh, probably had a beer and chatted and it turned out, you know, I, I told him we were looking for space for our own office at the time. And, and, uh, we had even batted around the idea of moving our office into his brewery or vice versa and just sharing a building because he was looking to purchase a building at the time. And, uh, he called a, a couple of weeks later and said, Hey, I, I think I've got this great building. It's on seventh and Belmont. I made an offer and it looks like it's going to be accepted. Um, which is, phenomenal um because that you know I, I believe it was actually listed uh through a brokerage company at the time and there were multiple offers on it and probably higher than than what he had offered originally to pay but luckily the owner of the building thought that indeed that that location would make a great brewery as well so you know there's there's still some good folks out there that um <laughs> realized that we on the inner southeast side love to see these old adaptive reuse projects, and um, they're not all meant to become you know giant mixed use buildings. So Mike took that building, called up, and said, "Hey, I found this space. It's ten thousand square feet. What do you think we can do to it?" And so we went over there, and at the time it was a, a flooring uh, distribution company, so linoleum, wood, tile, that type that type of stuff. And again, we had almost a blank ten thousand square foot canvas to work with, and Mike was really upping the size of his systems, so he, you know, we we basically gave him a layout that we thought would best suit uh, a tasting room, which is all he wanted at the time, uh, with you know views to the brewery, uh, the main brewing in the back, and then we've actually took his original seven barrel system and put it up towards the front. So when you walk in that door, you get to see that, and you know it's 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 actually a, a working brew system. So. 
although you may not be able to get back and, and hang out with the big equipment, you can still get up front and check out the little stuff, which isn't even that little. It's just kind of what he started on. So. Um, but I think, you know, for us, all three of these buildings, um, you know, we, we talked about, I think, a little bit of just the adaptive reuse and the character of the space. And uh, they're all very similar in that it's they're very raw uh, in terms of material. Um, we like to say that you know, good design doesn't necessarily um, mean that you've got to spend a lot of money. You've just got to be able to be creative in, in terms of the material that you work with. And so we use a lot of natural material to create the spaces. Um, we kind of try and echo as much of the original character of, of the space as possible, um, whether it's through wood or brick or natural concrete or stone. You know, one thing I, I'll mention too is that brewers and brewery owners are great to work with. They're very creative. Um, they're craftspeople. They they love to get in there and make things, obviously. So there's always a good synergy between um, the design team and the brewery team um, in terms of just laying out the space, uh, which is fun. You know, that's kind of the way that it should be. And everybody has the fun and then we get to go away and do a little bit of more of the work and hopefully in the end have some more fun. Beer, community, and creating great neighborhoods. The two go hand in hand. Why is that? How is beer a community builder? You know, beer's been bringing together people since, well, since beer's been created. And, you know, you get these neighborhoods with, with gas station, and, and you're right, that doesn't really create a sense of community. And so, you, you know, by putting in these these breweries and these dilapidated uh, buildings, obviously brings in people. Uh, most of the time, these spaces are, you know, they're not in, it just depends on the demographic. Um, I think that they're non-pretentious spaces. I think that at least the breweries we've worked with and the people that we've, you know, got got a chance to know is that everybody is is very much down to earth, um, and they're all about that sense of community. So, you know, putting putting those things into the neighborhood uh, cr- creates a great neighborhood heart almost. I mean, I think that, you know, by by adding these things in there, the the economy of the neighborhood obviously. Um, well, you hope will su- will support that, um, and everything that we've seen from, uh, you know, Cascade starting out, um, especially Ex Novo, uh, as well has has really drawn um, people from that neighborhood out to that uh, particular location that that might not necessarily have been a place of destination, um, if that makes sense. I mean, Flint Street was more or less a, a connector for bike commuters um you know I, i've done a couple projects on flint street I, I did the flint street studios um back in i think 2006 which you know a lot of people thought hey that's a that's a crazy place um to put some apartments because nobody ever goes over there but you know in reality it wasn't true it was a it was it was the that the major bike commute and that was another factor when Joel um, showed me this space. He said, what do you think about Flint street? And I said, I, you know, I love Flint street. I think, you know, you're, you're completely um, playing to the neighborhood. Uh, you've got a thousand bikers a day. I mean, bikers and beer. I mean, this, this could have been in a, in a better location. So yeah, I, I think it, it has a, a strong economic um, uh, factor, you know, to the neighborhood. Switching gears 
to downtown Spokane, Washington, home of the 74 Expo, burned to the ground in the late 1800s. I had the chance to visit a couple years back and was struck with the solid downtown core and interesting architecture stock. Lots of two to four story buildings, turn of the century stuff. As a Spokane native, I wanted Loosemore's take on its potential. I love Spokane and in terms of just, you know, what I think it could bring in terms of just adaptive reuse and, you know, development. And, you know, I don't know how much you know about the history of it, but, you know, basically that town burned down to the ground, I think, in about 1889, 1890, somewhere in there. And you know, that's when the town was all made of wood. And so that's kind of why the the town has the look that it has. Uh, I think when you devastate an entire town with one big fire, everybody tends to, to take that into precaution the next time they rebuild. So everybody built that thing out of brick. Um, when I when I lived in Spokane, I lived uh, about 11 miles outside of town. So I really didn't have an opportunity uh, to go downtown and, and really immerse myself into, you know, city cores and city centers, kind of like, what you would expect to see down in Portland um, until my last year of college. And one of the things I noticed about it and one of the reasons I wanted to study urban planning was that I did have an interest of, of how to, to take these neighborhoods that I felt had great potential and, and connect them. There's, you know, there's downtown Spokane proper, you've got the urban core, you've got Brown's edition, but in between that, there's, there's almost just an abyss of, parking and and commercial land and and i think that, that you know that that was a direct result back in the day of spokane kind of developed uh in terms of districts more than it did neighborhoods and so each each district was almost like its own city and within its own city they had car lots and and lots and lots of mandatory parking and surface parking etc cetera, etc cetera. And, and i you know, it still has that, and there's there's lots of people that are are realizing that and making um, good strides and good pushes to eliminate those types of things. Like uh, a lot of the parking mandates, you know, are, are getting relaxed a little bit. So that I think I read an article the other day that said that the, the downtown urban core consists of 1,300 uh, acres. Uh, and 300 of those acres are still surface parking lots, which to me is um, crazy when you think about, you know, trying to develop a, an urban core uh, with that much parking. So, you know, I see an opportunity to, to to get back there, to take these great buildings, to start to investigate how to do these adaptive reuse uh, projects and, and and really look at trying to bring in more mixed use um, rather than just districts full of um, strictly commercial, but, you know, and, and they've made great, they've made great headway. There's a, there's a place on the other side of the Monroe street bridge called Kendall yards, which is uh, a new subdivision, which is all mixed use. It's got great restaurants, uh, great cafes. There's a, there's a brew pub over there. They've got housing. Um, but I, I'd love to see that, you know, more towards city center and, and not, you know, continue to, to hit the sprawl. So will I go back and, and, and live there and work there someday? You know, I don't know. Um, we are as a company and a firm heavily investigating opportunities um, to do work in Spokane. And I, I know there's other folks that have, have made that jump uh, as well from Seattle, some, some good firms in Seattle, um, especially to the, to the riverfront park. I think that Kundig is uh, investigating some stuff at riverfront park. I know that, um, 
Scott Edwards has been doing some stuff, some brewery work up there. Uh, I think they did some stuff up on Perry Street. Um, and so you're starting to you're starting to have other like-minded people see the opportunity, and um, as well as other architecture firms in, in Spokane. So it's not just outsiders coming in and, and trying to take over. But um, I think that there's there's good precedent that you know stuff that Portland and Seattle have done that those models can be carried over, and um, Spokane can become a, a greater city. So and you know that's what I'd love to see happen to it. My family still lives there. Um, my folks are there, my sister, my brother-in-law. And, uh, you know, I always hear from my sister, like, oh, I was downtown and I went to this great restaurant. They they kept the, the old brick wall and they put new lights on it. And it's, you know, it's, it's the simple things that um, people really enjoy. And I think people love being immersed in part of that history. And, um, you know, when a building can can tell a story um, while you're drinking a beer or while you're eating food that just makes uh, for a great space um, in my opinion. So it's not a hard, it's not a hard model to follow. I think that, um, and I'll, like I said earlier, it's just, you know, taking the, the space and um, putting in the right use for it. And I, I think that's what people uh, gravitate towards. And I think that's what makes them feel happy. Thanks for listening to built blocks. For more on Sum Design, visit Sum Design Studio. That's S U M Design Studio.com. I've posted photos of their brewery projects on BuiltBlocks.com. Check them out. And be sure to subscribe to Built Blocks. Thanks for listening.